It all seems so simple. Love God, love your neighbor. All the commandments, everything that God wants and desires for us hangs on these two simple commandments. The concept is so basic, it so, could be easy to overlook. But the consequences are so immense, it's little wonder we don't try to overlook it. It's a good idea to talk about them, just to keep them fresh on our minds today. Well, I believe for a long time that this scripture would protect me from myself and to help me keep my life in perspective. The order is important because it helps us to find and maintain a direction and a sense of purpose in our lives. The first one is about stewardship to God. And the second is about community, which is also about stewardship. And since today's Dedication Sunday for our annual fund campaign, what a perfect scripture. Let's begin with number one, loving God with all we are. This is the beginning point for all of us. What would life be like if we did love God with all that we are? How would that affect the way we live, the way we spend, the way we share? Over the last few days, I've pondered this deeply and have realized that I'm really not very good at figuring this one out. You see, for a long time, I lived with a faulty understanding of God, and it still rears up inside of me when I'm not paying attention. For many years, I associated loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength with obeying God. No matter what I wanted, I knew I had to obey God. I'm not sure why I made this association of love and obedience with God because I don't associate love and obedience in my other relationships. I've loved Ginger above all others for over 40 years and she will be the first to tell you I do not obey her. I think this coupling of love and obedience was rooted in my early church experiences. I began in a conservative church and heard about a God who demanded unswerving loyalty and obedience, a God who rewarded those who obeyed and punished those who didn't. It was also a God who, if you were to be honest, if you submitted yourself to God's will, God would make you do something you didn't want to do. I can't tell you how many times I heard stories from people who said, Lord, I'll do anything and go anywhere as long as it's not Africa or mission work or Philadelphia. And when that person surrenders to God, poof, God sends them to Africa or mission work or Philadelphia. Whatever, wherever they didn't want to go to do something they didn't want to do, that's what God would make them do. And so this was the kind of God I started out serving. I remember committing myself and being ready to surrender and hoping for the best. Of course, we know that isn't how God works and that isn't what God expects. God will not love you more or reward you more because you make a pledge today. Likewise, God will not punish you if you don't. This isn't how God works. We don't have to do the right things in order to get God, gain God's favor. We already have it. 
This was the secret that Martin Luther stumbled upon in Romans chapter 5 that transformed the church and ended up getting him kicked out of it. Because God loved us, it changed the way we see the world because it changed the order of our world around. Instead, now we can do the right things with confidence and hope because God already loves us. God already desires the best for us. And so all we have to do is listen to God and follow God, not for reward or punishment, but because of God's eternal love. Now this doesn't get us off the hook, but at least gives us a hook to hang on. Glennondale Melton, an author of a popular monastery blog, wrote a post called, Give Me Gratitude or Give Me Debt. I really like the title. Now after receiving some unsolicited advice that she needed to update her kitchen, Melton looked at her outdated kitchen in a new light particularly the microwave oven. This is a magic box, she wrote, in which I put uncooked stuff in, push a couple buttons, and then a couple minutes later, I pull out cooked stuff. It's like the Jetsons up in here. Melton made a choice that day as she looked at her kitchen and how she looked at her life. She chose gratitude over desire. In fact, she experienced gratitude as a freedom from desire. And this perspective doesn't come easily for us. Our culture spends most of its time trying to prod us into desire, making us want something that we may or may not need so that we'll buy something new and shiny and spend what monies we have. We need the Spirit's help and a clear commandment to help us walk through a store and be grateful for what we have already rather than desiring what else is available. It's simple. It's just not easy. Simple commandments have complicated implications. If we were to love God with everything we are, because we had already experienced God's love and even a glimmer of the depths of God's self-giving sacrificial love, we would not have any financial problems or doctrinal problems or interpersonal problems. They would all be consumed in love, God's love reflected from us to others. Which brings us to the second commandment. The second commandment is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. We all know this as well. We've known it for as long as we can remember. It's important for us to remember that Luke places this discussion just before the parable of the Good Samaritan. So it includes loving everyone, even our most hated enemies. And this makes it tough. I remember a member of a Bible study years ago who said it well. This commandment is impossible unless you have different neighbors from mine. We think that this kind of love is impossible, but it, does that let us off the hook? I don't think so. I believe that we can fulfill it if we begin in the right order. It doesn't begin with us, it begins with God. 
If we begin by experiencing that love that God has for us, what else can we do but reflect that love to other people? Love others as we love ourselves. That's what it says. Notice that loving yourself is assumed, and we have to admit that some of us are relatively good at this part. So our faith connects loving others to our own self-love that we are to love God totally and completely and express our love for God through our love for others because God loves them too. We give because God has already given to us. We love because God has already loved us and we have the opportunity to give for others that God has loved. Not to get, but just to love for the benefit of others. It's that simple. It's just not easy. During an annual fund campaign a few years ago, I had a visit from the stewardship fairy. It was quite an experience. Maybe we can see if she'll come visit us next year. But in her time, she asked us a question. And she said that the question we should ask today is not, how much does the church need? Now we know that our church needs a certain level of financial support in order to uh, continue the ministries and missions we all value. And we've heard that a 5% increase would provide enough funds for next year's budget. And I can assure you friends that during these uncertain times, there is no greater gift that we can give the church and each other than a balanced budget. But this is not the place where we hang our important decisions. Instead, she said we should ask, how much do I need to give in order to be grateful? I love that. This is the question we need to ask and answer. This is the question that taps into our faith at a depth that transcends our numbers. What can I give to God that will reflect the gifts that God has given to me? How much do I need to pledge in order to remember on a regular basis that this is a grateful response and not an obligation? Aunt Ruth, an elderly member of a church in Louisville, Kentucky, where I served a thousand years ago, shared her testimony, and in it she gave this advice. If you only give until it hurts, you're not giving enough. Give until you're glad. She was an amazing woman, and that's amazing advice. This is the place where we can hang our faith and our hopes, a place where God can truly make a difference in our lives and use us to make a difference in the lives of others. Give until you're glad. It does sound simple, doesn't it? Just love God with all you are and love others as you love yourself. And it is simple. It's just not easy. Perhaps, though, this is what Jesus was trying to tell us. Because both commandments are meaningful and powerful and wonderful and hopeful, as long as we begin where love begins at all. We are all connected together because God has connected us all together. We are connected not because we have willed ourselves into connection, not because we are good people, which we are, 
or because we try hard to stay connected, which we do. But we're all connected because God loves us all and desires the best for us all and gives us all the confidence and the assurance to reach beyond ourselves. And we find loving ourselves along the way. <laughs> this really does sound simple. And I guess it is. It is simple. It's just never easy. Today we make an important step as a congregation and as a people of God. As we make, as we commit our pledges and ourselves to God and to each other. We continue to work together to find ways to live out this life together in the future. I just hope and pray that all of you will hang around while we work out the details. Because it is easy, or rather, it is simple. It's just not easy. So as we come to the, this time of commitment, thanks be to God, and thanks be to you, my neighbors and friends. Amen.